Ephesians chapter 5. Sure glad you're here tonight. Good to see each and every one of you. Praise the Lord. Brother Randy, glad you're feeling better. Good to have you back. Missed you on Sunday. Didn't even give it to Linda. I asked her. I said, did you get what Randy? He said, she said no. So that's a good thing. Praise the Lord for that. Glad you all are here tonight. We're in Ephesians chapter 5. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll get into our Bible study tonight. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for the privilege to serve you. I pray, Lord, that you would just guide our thoughts and our minds. I pray, Lord, that you'd be glorified. And I pray, Lord, that this time would be uh, profitable. Lord, that we would grow. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking on um, our Bible study time here on Wednesday night about uh, growing spiritually, maturing, um, being more um, mature in our walk. And um, one of the things we looked at, first of all, is we have to make sure that, first of all, to grow spiritually, we have to be born again. We have to know that we're a child of God, knowing that we're on our way to heaven. And a time and a place in our life when we can go back to it, we can say, that was the time that I knew I was a sinner, I knew Christ died for me. I knew that he paid my sin debt on Calvary's cross and rose again the third day. And by faith, trusting in him as our personal Savior. And so all that we've been talking about in our study here on Wednesday nights over the last couple of months, it's, it's all uh, predicated or uh, founded on the fact that we are born again. We're a child of God. And so tonight I asked you earlier, do you know that you're saved? Are you glad you're saved? And many people said amen. And I want to challenge you with that. Do you know for sure you're going to heaven? And so you might know 100%. If you don't, I hope you wouldn't leave tonight without knowing. But God wants us to know that. And so that's the very, very beginning of our spiritual growth. That's where we start. It's like we have a spiritual birth where we start growing, just like you have a physical birth and you begin to grow. And the challenge is that we look at our life since the time that we were born again, we became a child of God, have we been growing? And we looked at some of the challenges to growing, some of the things that keep us from growing. Last week, we looked at the fact of the problem of sin. If we've got sin in our life, unconfessed sin, if we're not living the victorious Christian life, we're never going to grow the way God wants us to grow. Um, The key for us is to abide in Him and He abide in us and being in Christ and Christ in us and um, having victory in our life. And we we talked about that. And and, uh, tonight I want to continue on. And, you know, it's so important to have clear guidance concerning the will of God. If you're going to grow spiritually, you must be in the will of God. If you are not in the will of God, you are not growing spiritually. There's something wrong in your spiritual walk. There's something wrong in your spiritual health. And you're not maturing if you're not in God's will. If you're not growing spiritually, you're not going to be in God's will. If you're not in God's will, you're not going to grow spiritually. It's hand in hand. They, they, they really are important. And so tonight, I want for us to talk about that. And, and you know, God's will uh, is practical. God's real will is reasonable. God's will is spiritually discerned. And it's biblically unfolded. And so God wants us to know His will for us. Tonight, I want us to look and, and, and understand that God's will, listen now, it's not hidden. There are a lot of people that think that some mystical thing out there that I can maybe find in my life. God, you think, listen now, God wants you to know His will for your life more than you want to know God's will for your life. I promise you that. I mean, it's like this, that you, you think God wants people to be saved more than people want to be saved? I do believe that, 100%. 
God wants for people to be saved. And once they get saved, God wants them to know what to do. He wants you to know what step to take, what path. He wants you to grow spiritually. And God wants to reveal that to us. It's not hidden uh, and it's revealed. How is it revealed? It's revealed by the Word of God. Do you have your Word of God tonight? You have it right there? Say amen. Praise the Lord. This is the written Word of God. And God has within the Word of God His will and direction for your life. God wants to direct in your life. Um, and, and so, oh, by the way, God doesn't bypass our minds when it comes to this either. God gave you the intellect that you have. Some of us are blessed more than others. I understand. No, I'm just kidding around. But God gives us a mind, and we don't bypass that. God, He will work. In, and by the way, if your mind is in Christ, He's going to use your mind to direct you. A lot of times we talk about the mind and the heart, they're kind of going together in what we're talking about with that. But God, He uses us, and he, He'll speak to us, and He doesn't want us to, to, to be, uh, be foolish about anything. God will direct us. He'll use our mind to do it. Let's look here if you would. That's why Paul said here in Ephesians 5.17, notice what he says. Wherefore... Be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So if you don't know what the will of the Lord is, then what does that mean? What do, you do? What do we infer from that, that verse there? Help me out. You're not wise. You're not growing. You're not being wise as a child of God. I want to be wise. I want to grow. And we have a challenge here tonight that we ought to be understanding the will of the Lord for our life. How many of y'all tonight believe that God has a will for your life? Raise your hand. I believe that 100%. And so if that's being said, I want to just share it's a, a real simple message tonight, but I think it's very applicable to every one of us. It's a challenge for some. It's going to be a reminder. For some, it might be something that would help you. Um, maybe the first time that some of these uh, concepts are there. For some of us, you might have known the concept for a long time, and it might be that there's some things that you need to get back on track with in order to be in God's will and continue to grow spiritually. And so I want to look at three rules for knowing the will of God. Number one, nothing is the will of God if it's not according to the Word of God. Nothing is in the will of God if it's contrary to the will of God. Now, help me out tonight. What are some things that people say are God's will, and sometimes they're not because they're not according to the Word of God? Anybody? Can you think of an example, Brian? Okay. It's not biblical. All right. Don't help yourself. God's not going to help you. Um, yeah. Okay. There's some truth to that statement, but to say that that's, I, I guess, you know, I don't know that one. What else? Anybody else have another idea? Yeah, we're going to get to that in a minute. Absolutely right. That's exactly right. There's no doubt about that. Uh, people will use something other than the will of God. What? Anybody else? That's a good one. People that say, I'm going to do this, but it's contrary to the word of God, and they claim it's God's will. Anybody? Yeah, charity. Yeah, exactly. We hear that a lot, don't we? Well, I worship God in nature. You know what? I do too. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> but we still go to church. Amen. Yes, sir. Yeah. Exactly. We think, well, it's okay to tell that little white lie because we think there's a greater good that comes from it. And uh, yet the Word of God is very absolute about that. That's good. There's several things. Brian? Yeah. 
They go around what? Yeah, having having hatred. Yeah, and and the, okay, let's let's put an application to that. Saying, well, God's word says that we're supposed to be against this, and so we hate the people that do these things, and we then claim. Well, the Word of God tells me I'm supposed to hate in, in the, the way not showing God's love. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of things like that. And so we need to understand that nothing is the will of God if it's not according to the Word of God. And, you know, if we would just get this number one point down, it would probably solve 99.9% of the problems we have when it comes to what we're supposed to do in life. And there, there's people that try to rationalize why they do what they do, and yet it's contrary to the Word of God. And then they try to say, well, it was God's will. I've heard that from a lot of different people in situations. They go and do something, and I'm like, that's, that's contrary to the Word of God. It cannot be God's will if it's contrary to the Word of God. We have to understand that. And by the way, the Bible's not a book of rules, but rather a book of principles. It's not a whole bunch of rules. It's, it is principles by which we're to live by. Too often we want to make a list of rules to govern our lives rather than living by biblical principles. What's the problem with a, with a, a list of rules to govern our life instead of principles? What's the problem with that? Uh, let's, let's get some more people involved. Sally? Okay, c- rules can change. Okay, what else? Somebody else? Anybody? Okay, interpreting the rules, okay. Okay, rules are hard to follow, but is that, is that really the problem? What's the problem with the rules? What's the problem? Outside of that little rule, yeah, then you got a problem. So then you got to write another rule. And then you got to write another rule. Yeah, they would. <laughs> yeah, the old rabbi wouldn't understand thou shalt not smoke camels. That's for sure. I like that. That's good. See, the problem is, if you have a list of rules, where does it end? It, it never ends. And, but principles from the Word of God, they, they can apply throughout every situation in life. That's the, that's the problem when you start coming up with a whole list. of People that follow these rules are holy. We have to be very careful with that. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't live by standards and convictions. That's not the point. But the Bible is not a book full of rules. It's a book full of standards by which we are to live, but principles and and convictions, obviously, but principles that we live by. Um, God is not pleased by our following rules. He's not pleased any more than we're pleased when our children just follow the rules. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. This, This is take it to another step. Let's say that your kids are told, you know, tell your kids, all right, uh, what's a rule in your house? Somebody help me out. Give me an idea. What, what's some kind of rule your kids can't do in the house? Can't stand on furniture. Okay, that, all right. All right, I'll, I'll take that one. Can't stand on the furniture. And so here they are. They're standing on the ground, and they're looking at you like this. And they're saying, well, I'm not standing on the furniture on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing on the furniture. And, and just follow, what, we, what we're looking for is a principle of respecting. Now, what if you didn't have a rule for something that they know very good and well they shouldn't do, but a principle, yeah, it's a principle. So God, he wants for us to follow principles. There, there's not enough room to write down every single do and don't. That's why when people start saying things like, well, the Bible doesn't say you can't do that, I say, well, go to the principle. Go to the principle. The Bible definitely has principles that we can follow. 
And there are definite principles from the Word of God that we should follow. Um, Any list that we make would be drastically insufficient. That's the problem. Use the principles from the Word of God. And so the Bible is not a book of rules, but rather it's a book of principles. Secondly, we never have to pray about something that the Word of God commands. Never have to pray about it. Lord, it's Sunday morning. I'm tired. I'm going to pray. Lord, should I go to church today? You don't need to pray that prayer. The only prayer you need to pray on that Sunday is when you didn't go, Lord, please forgive me for not obeying your word. It's not a matter of praying about whether I should be in church or not. There's a lot of things. Brother Randy mentioned it earlier, and this is a big one. You realize when it comes to marriage, there's some things you don't need to pray about. Now, you better pray a lot about marriage, but here's one. Lord, should I marry this unsaved person? You don't need to pray that prayer. Why not? Exactly, because the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? For what communion hath light with darkness? The Word of God is very plain and clear on this subject. We don't have to pray, Lord, should I marry this person if it's contrary to a direct command from the Word of God? When you're praying that prayer and it's contrary to a direct command from the Word of God, what are you really doing? Okay, you're questioning his word. Good. What else? What else are we doing? Yeah, and we're telling God how we want it. Okay, God, this is the way it is. If you know that the word of God, what it says, is absolute, you don't have to pray about it. You don't have to pray whether you should pray. Right? Pray without ceasing. It's a command from the word of God. You don't have to pray whether you should read the word of God. Study the word of God. You don't have to pray whether you should do, you should just obey those things. And it's not just that, but in, in, when it, like once again in marriage, Amos 3.3, 3, can two walk together except they be agreed? You don't have to pray about it. And so um, when you, we ask God for direction, we ask God for wisdom, but if it's something that's absolute and you know the word of God says something about it, you don't have to pray about it. How about this? They're saved, but they're not living for the Lord. So what kind of prayer would you be praying when it came to that? Maybe Lord help them, but meanwhile, Lord, I'm not going to marry somebody and be done, even if they're saved, but they're not living for the Lord right now. That maybe that person is not, uh, what about this? How about the person, they're saved, and yet that person is not going to, uh, is not putting God first in their life, and they're not going to lift you up, and they're going to tear you down. And, and the Bible, the Bible has very plain principles about this. Um, we need to be very careful that we don't make decisions based on what we want that are contrary to the Word of God and then ask God to bless it. it, it and that, a lot of times, if we're not careful humanly, we will do that. We have to be very careful with that. How about this one, a vocation? What job we should work? What should we do? 1 Peter 4.11 says, If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Okay, so what do we infer from that? We're talking about vocation. We're talking about praying about a vocation. I'm trying to get you guys to think tonight. Look at the verse and what it says. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability that which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. So what's the principle in action here? Help me out. We don't... Yeah. Say it again. 
using God's strength and not giving him the praise and giving him the praise and using God okay so if any man minister let him do it in, of the ability all oh, the ability which God giveth absolutely so giving God the glory for the strength that you have to work good job buddy that's great absolutely that's good and then it says that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ so we have to give glory to God for the work alright I'm praying about the job how does this verse apply to it? Doing it with all our ability, all our might, and then the next phrase about what? Does it glorify God? Can I do this work and bring glory to God? There's people that sometimes there's a job they know will not bring glory to God, and yet they'll pray and say, God, you know I need this job. God, I want to work this job. God, I'm going to do this job. God, would you help me be able to have this job. And now what job would it be? It could be a lot of different things. There's a lot of jobs out there that don't bring glory to God. Now, what I'm saying by that doesn't mean that, I mean, there's a lot of jobs out there that are regular jobs, but there's some that are absolutely not glorifying to God. I mean, I can't serve alcohol in a bar and say that's glorifying to God. I couldn't work in a casino and call that glorifying to God. And see how I make it a list here? Don't make a list. Make a standard. If it doesn't bring glory to God, don't do it. And how do you determine that? You can pray and ask God to help you have wisdom of that, but if you know it doesn't bring glory to God, then why are you doing it? That could be involved in working in some scheme of business that's taking advantage of people, too. And uh, being involved in in stuff like that. And so it's a principle we're talking about here. And following that. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not unto me. There's another principle we see there. And we've already hit that. Working hard. Giving glory to God for the strength we have. But doing it with all of our heart. And doing it for the glory of God. Those are not things we have to pray about. If we know what the Word of God says. And that's why we need to know what the Word of God says. So whatever vocation that we enter in must be able to honor God with our life. And so the question you have to ask is can we glorify God in what we're doing? And so it's a principle that we learn. If not, how can it be the will of God? If what you're going to do does not glorify God, then how can it be the will of God? And so the question we must answer is this. What is your final authority? That's where you've got to go. Where do I find the principles by which I'm going to live by? Where do I find how I'm going to live my life? What is the final authority in my life? There are many different places that people go to for the final authority in their life. One of which is, is many times it's the church. Do you realize that Lighthouse Baptist Church is not the final authority in your life? It's not. But there are a lot of people that live that way. I'm not talking about Lighthouse either. No, I'm talking about there's religions out there where people, they go by the final authority of what some papal decree is, and they'll follow it. And and when the, the Pope speaks, they follow it as the Word of God. They'll follow after that church doctrine, dogma. When I say doctrine, I'm not talking about biblical doctrine either. I'm talking about what a church says. And they'll... Let's put it, they'll talk about getting married and they have to have the blessing of the church. Or they're going to get a divorce, they have to have the blessing of the church. They, they're going to make a decision, they have to have a blessing. And there's so many things, the final authority in their life, and this is waning, but there's still a lot of people that follow the religious uh, um, final authority in their life of a church. And they'll decide what they're going to do based on that. Then there's some, they'll base it on human experience. Well, I experienced it, so therefore it must be absolute truth. There are a lot of people that, unfortunately, they'll, they'll intertwine that in their, even in their religious thinking or their, their, their thinking about even worshiping God. 
they'll have something happen in their life. I've, I've talked to some people, and their final authority is their, their feelings. And we need to be very careful letting our feelings be a final authority. You realize your feelings can really get messed up? I mean, there's times when we can see things in the room that aren't there, and it's not real. There are times when we have a feeling about something, and we're wrong. You ever been wrong about a feeling about something, and you, mis- you misunderstood something? I mean, our feelings can get messed up very easily. And it might depend on how much sleep you had last night or what you ate or whether you, you've got some kind of sickness going on in your life. There's things that can change. And we need to be very careful that human experience is not the final authority. Uh, unfortunately, there's people that say, I don't care what the Bible says. I know what I felt. And I've heard that. I've heard that. I had a gentleman I worked with um, many years ago, and I asked, I was witnessing to him. And he says, I know I'm saved. How do you know you're saved? Because, man... I'll tell you what, it was a night I was in my room, that bed lifted up in the air, it started twisting around in circles, and the angel was there, and I, I, I prayed, and, you know, he used that experience that he had, and everything he was telling me wasn't lining up with a person, it didn't line up with me seeing God, or God speaking to my heart, of now repenting of your sin and trusting in Christ your Savior for salvation. It was about an experience that he had in his life, and... I've told this illustration before, you know, it's a thing that I, I, this guy told me, but I was thinking to myself, no, I think that probably was you were drinking just a little bit too much, and you might have had another one too many pizzas. I'm not sure. But you, you definitely, you can't say you're going to heaven because your bed spun around in the room. It's about based on the person, but that's the thing. We have to be very careful. Listen now, is there any time in our life when we lose, use personal experience as an authority of why we're going to do what we do? Think about that. Let me give you an illustration. I grew up in Detroit, and I was at knife point. I had three individuals. I had one, two, three. Yeah, I was three of them. Had knives, all three of them. Tried to steal my car. They didn't get the car that time. I ended up getting the knife out of one of their hands. They all went running off. I, I'm not going to go into the depth of the story. But they had knives in my face, and they were colored. I had another time. I was in a car, and I was putting gas in. And a colored individual came up and put a gun in my face and said, give me $100, I'm going to shoot you. Okay, I didn't have $100. They ended up getting my car. Praise the Lord, not my wife that was in the car at the time. Long story, okay? That happened again. Okay, personal experience. Black individuals. I had black individuals break into my car, break into my house. Personal experience. Now, does that mean then all black people are bad? No. You know what can happen, though? We're not careful. You can create a spirit within your heart of anybody that's colored. You, you're having a wrong attitude about it. Okay, so personal experience for some people is so strong, it overwhelms their ability to have love of God in their life and to love people with the love of God. And, and we need to be very careful. I'm just using that as a personal experience because it's really easy for us to create things in the way that we look at stuff, the way we do things based on personal experience but not the Word of God. We've got to be very careful with that. Another one, um, there are those that use human reasoning as the final authority in their life. And, and that's many uh, a position of liberals, liberal churches. Uh, hu- human reasoning. Uh, nobody is right, nobody is wrong, because we're all looking for truth. There's no absolutes. And, and what they can't conceive is that they will, if they can't understand it, if they can't conceive it, they're not going to believe it. What they cannot understand, they're not going to accept and they say things like, it doesn't uh, make sense to me, therefore, I don't believe it. Can anybody think of something that liberals would say, it doesn't make sense to me, therefore, I don't believe it? Anybody? What do you think? 
I'm talking about religious uh, liberal thinking. Okay, tithing, good. I, I don't believe in it, so therefore it's not, it, it doesn't real, it, human reasoning doesn't make sense. Doesn't, I, don't, I don't agree with that. All right, what else, anybody? There's a big one I'm looking for. Okay, abortion is definitely one. There, there is for sure. You know those churches right now that are standing up and saying that if they overturn it, that they're, that they're wrong? They're, they're actually suing over this? It, even in Texas right now, there's, there's religious people that are suing because of the law that was passed in Texas to protect the unborn. Absolutely right. Okay, well, there's another one too. I'm talking, well, as the Bible is, is absolute. We know that life is, is sacred. It's precious, right? Right from the very conception. What else? Anybody? What's that? Okay, marriage? Absolutely. I'll tell you what, that is such a big one right now. You, you realize we have churches now that, that, that they are they're doing marriages between men and men and women and women. Like you're like, you're like yeah, no, no kidding. What's the big deal? The big deal is that's contrary to the Word of God. It's, it's wrong because where's your final authority? It's contrary to the Word of God. Well, well human reasoning says well, people should just be allowed to do what they the love that's in their heart. Do what they want to do. That's not what our guide is. How about this one? How about hell? You realize there's a whole bunch of churches today that don't even believe in hell? A bunch of Christians today? Because hum- it doesn't make sense humanly speaking, so therefore hell doesn't exist. And it's sad. They, they, and it, there's, we, the list can go on and on and on. So here's the question. What is the final authority in your life? What is it? What ought to be the final authority in our life as a child of God? It's the Word of God ought to be the final authority. This is the absolute final authority in our life. And I hope that's where we're at tonight. I hope that as a child of God, that, that the final authority would be the Word of God. And here's the thing, though. Well, let me just ask you this. How many of y'all believe the Word of God is the final authority for us? You agree with it, right? Let me ask that again, because I don't, I don't really think I got a good response on that. It just, just humor me. I mean, if you really believe it. How many of y'all believe that the Word of God is the final authority for our life? Say amen. 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 All right, so here's the problem. And I did that on purpose. That's why some of you are like, I don't know where he's going with this. Here's the problem. We say that, but do we actually live that? We say that we believe that. I don't think there'd be anybody here that would not agree with that. Yes, the Word of God is the final authority for my life in that we continue to make important decisions on the basis of human reasoning and human experience instead of following the principles of the Word of God, the absolute truth, final authority for our life. We try to rationalize it away with human reasoning and human experience. Final authority just means that. Like it or not, it is the final authority. You've got to come to that place in your life as a child of God. You've got to say, yes, This is going to be the standard, the final authority for my life. And you have to stop and apply that in your life then. So what is the final authority for your life? You need to really nail that down. Second principle for knowing the will of God for your life. Before you can know the will of God for your life, you must be willing to do the will of God for your life. You've got to be willing to do it. Before God is going to reveal His will, extended will I'm talking about, you need to be willing to do the will of God. God wants us to be ready and willing to do anything that he would ask us to do. Does he not deserve that? Does God deserve for when he asks us to do something, we just say, yes, sir, and do it? I think so. Do you not expect that for your children? I'm not talking about being mindless. 
God wants us to think. We can ask God, and God will answer, and God works in our life. But when it comes down to it, when I can't understand something, I have to say that's the final authority. I'm going to disobey it. I might not understand everything. There's a lot of things I don't understand. There's a whole lot. Of, and the more I understand, the more I understand I don't know a whole lot. That's for sure. There's a lot of things I don't understand. But the final authority is the Word of God. Therefore, I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to do what God says to do. I'm going to obey the Word of God. And we, we ought to be willing to do what God tells us to do. You know, you think about it with me. In the military, when the commanding officer issues a command, he expects immediate obedience. Anybody with, that was in the military, raise your hand up. I know we've got several of them. I know um, many of you, that, yep, got several. If, if, if your commanding officer told you to do something, what did you do? You did it. What if you didn't do it? I, I've never been in the military. Help me out. What if you didn't do it? Ken, what if you didn't do it? Court-martial, maybe, yeah. Get in trouble. Get disciplined. So you were expected in boot camp. Weren't they just training that? They were trying to train you in boot camp to just do what I say. If he says jump, you say how high, right? You obey what they're saying to do. You are going to obey them. And Okay, why? Why do they do that? Because when you get into the battle, when you get into that intense moment, when everything is on the line, you've got to obey orders. You've got to follow. If every man's doing that which is right in their own mind, you have lost the battle. Guaranteed you're going to lose it. All right? Do you realize that we're in the Lord's army, that there is a battle that is raging right now? There's spiritual warfare that is happening in our life right now, and we need to obey the word of God and do it exactly right now. Not wait, but obey right now. God wants us to obey. If God tells us to do it, we ought to do it. Our enemy is real. And we need to understand that if we're not in obedience to our master, it's going to bring disaster. The same way it would in the army in a battle, their lives will be, will be lost. There's going to be great consequences that come as a result of it. The same thing is true in our life. God wants us to be ready and willing to do anything he tells us to do. We need to be willing to obey the Lord. Now, I want you to think with me, when many of you that are parents, you had kids that were young. When they were very young, what did you train them to do? You trained them to obey your voice, what you said to do. You trained them. And if I said, and I remember with, with um, Alyssa's not in here, so I can say this without picking on her too much. She was, she's a great kid, but when she was real young, before she got saved, you, I've never seen a child that made a big change from the time they got saved, a, a transformation that happened. It was amazing to see it. She didn't want to sing gospel songs. She, did, she, had a, she had kind of an attitude, and she was just kind of, you know. But I remember when she was young, I'm talking about like two and a half, three years old. I said, Alyssa, come here. She's standing on the other side of the room. She looks at me and goes, mm, that's not the right answer. <laughs> I said, Alyssa, come here. She looks over at me. Mm. Some of you parents are already knowing what's this is headed, right? All right, so then I went over, and, and I said, Alyssa, when I call you, you need to come. She went back. I said, Alyssa, come here. She looked over at me and goes, mm. well, then we had to proceed and have a little boot camp. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> had a little training going on. And now she's crying a little bit. And so I put her back down. I go back across the room, and I said, Alyssa, come here. With tears in her eyes, she looks over, and she goes, mm. <laughs> Okay, well, we have to go back to boot camp. Go back over, a little bit of boot camp, come back over, try it again. You know what? It didn't take long, and she finally understood, and she started coming. And when I called her, and then I praised her. I said, good job, sweetheart. You did a great job. I held her, loved on her. And then I took opportunities after. You know what? I noticed that with my kids. You did that 
perhaps once or twice, kids are not dumb. It doesn't take much, but you've got to start young, mind you, okay? You've got to start young. It's the same thing, and kids are way more valuable and much smarter than dogs, but yet we expect it of our dogs. You tame that puppy as, as early as you can, and when you call their name, they are to come immediately. Am I right, Katie? You know what I'm talking about? Get that dog. You want them to come? Why? Because if that dog's out in some place in the road and you call their name, you want them to get out of the road. You say, Peaches, get in here. Right, Lois? You want them to come right now and be there. And as soon as they make a command, you want them to be there. Why? Because we're trying to keep that dog safe. We're doing something to train them. And I'm training the dog right now, and he's a good dog, but... You know what? In, in, in smart dogs, it doesn't take much. How smart are you? <laughs> right? You're not a dog. You're a child of God. When God calls, do you answer? When God tells you to do something, do you obey? Why does God say it? Because he loves us. He's trying to protect us. He's trying to get, get us to do things that will be beneficial to us and bring honor and glory to God as well. There's no doubt about that. And, and so it's a, it's a heart condition. And many of us, you've been saved. Now, listen, if Alyssa today, if I said, hey, Alyssa, and she goes, what? What do you want? I, she would not do that. At least she hasn't yet, praise the Lord, right? Callie, that wouldn't be very good if she did that, would it? Oh, she'd do that to you? Is that what you're thinking? I, yeah. I know. She doesn't do that. But you know what? As Christians, we get a little bit older. And God wants us to do something, and we say, mm. how mature are you? How much growth are you demonstrating as a child of God? I mean, are we acting like a two-year-old at that point? When God tells us to do something direct, and we say, mm, or we say, I'm not going to do it. Or we go and go through the motions of doing it, all the while we're saying, I'm doing it on the outside, but on the inside I'm not doing it. I'm at church, but I don't want to be here. <laughs> Some of you are like, yeah, that's me tonight. <laughs> I don't believe you'd be here if you didn't want to be here. Praise the Lord for that. I'm having some fun with it. But do you understand the point here? We really need to make sure that we understand that God wants us to be ready and willing to do anything he should ask. Let me ask you, would you do whatever God asked you to do? I'm not asking you to speak out loud right now, but I'm challenging you. Would you do whatever God wants you to do? Are you growing? Are you maturing? Do you obey the word of God? In Acts 9, 6, Paul said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? That ought to be a prayer that we ask all the time of God. Lord, what wilt thou have me do? Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll do it no matter what you say, Lord. I'm willing to do it. Thirdly, the Lord must reveal his will to his child who is yielded. The Lord must Reveal his will to his child who is yielded. God's going to do it. He will reveal his will to you. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean he's going to tell you everything that's going on. But he's going to, he's going to reveal himself to you and show you what you should do. Now, sometimes it's just wait. Will, yielded to God's will, wait is wait. It, it, you don't know the next step. You just stop and wait. Sometimes God does say wait. And it seems like God is silent. When, when God is silent, that means what do you do? If God is silent, you do what you know the Word of God says to do, the written Word of God tells you to do. Continue to do that until God gives you further instructions. 
you obey what God says that you know to do, the known will of God, until God gives you further instructions. So God will, if we're submitted to God's will, He will reveal His will to you. He will reveal it to you. In Romans 12, chapter, um, uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, um, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that may prove what is that good and acceptable. What's the next word? Yeah. Perfect will of God. God wants you to know His will. God wants for us to be yielded, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Saying, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I offer it to you, Lord. And as we do that, God is going to give us His perfect will for our life. The key, though, is surrender. The key is surrender. Somebody turn to John 6.38 and stand up and read it, if you would. John 6.38, first one there. Just go ahead and stand and read it, if you would, for me. John 6.38. <clears throat> Yeah. Who's speaking there, PJ? Jesus says, that's right. And Jesus said, I came not to do my will. He was surrendering to the will of his Father in heaven. And that ought to be our desire as well. What, what are you here for? To do your will? Or to do the will of God in your life? It's a challenge to us. Christ set the example. You see, it's absolutely impossible to not, to not know the will of God if you are yielded. I say that again. God will guide you. And I say, I say that because sometimes we say, well, no, it's not true because I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. But I know what I'm supposed to do with this today. I might not know about tomorrow, but I know what I'm supposed to do today. And following the word of God. And then God will guide us. Um, look what it says in Isaiah 30, verse 21 on the screen. He says, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left hand. God is there guiding us. God will direct us. He will guide us. In John 6, 13, it says, He will guide you into all truth. He's given us a promise. He will guide us in our life. You know, He'll guide us with His eyes. In Psalm 32, verse 8, it says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way that thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Now, that's obviously an illustration there for us, a picture of. And... and um, 1 Peter 3, verse 12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. God is guiding us. And you think about that. Um, you know, when I read something like that, I, and I've used this illustration before, but I think it's, it's, it's such an applicable, it helps me understand things like this. You know, when I remember when I was young, all I had to do was look at my dad, and by his eyes, I knew what I was supposed to do. I knew where I was supposed to go. Brother Andy, I knew when I wasn't supposed to do something, too, by looking at my dad's eyes. You probably had the same experience, I'm just guessing. Yeah, I know it's true. And, and so all I had to do was just follow my dad's eyes. Now, to begin with, my dad had to teach me to follow his eyes. That was very young. And then from then on, I'm like, okay, Dad, what am I supposed to do? You know, let me say this for a second. That brought a lot of comfort, peace, and safety as I was following my dad's eyes. Because I knew my dad was directing me. Sometimes it brought some anger, rebellion. And sometimes if I didn't obey it, it brought more. If my dad, if it wasn't just for the eyes, I, I would get in more trouble because I wasn't being obedient to my dad. But that's not even the point I'm trying to make. What I'm trying to say is it, just by simply, I, my, 
by reading the eyes and following after the, the same thing is so true when it comes to the Lord. We must keep our eyes upon God. Now, let me, here's the illustration. What if the child isn't watching, isn't paying attention? You could do whatever you want as far as trying to guide with your eyes, but if that child's not watching, they don't know what directions they're supposed to be following with that. The same thing is true with God. We've got to keep our eyes on Him. God will lead us. God will direct us. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Continually looking unto him. Now, how do we do that? How do we keep our eyes on the Lord? We talk about this figuratively, but let's make it practical. How do we keep our eyes on the Lord so he can direct us with his eyes? Brian? Yeah, the word of God. But in the word of God, reading the word of God. What else? What do you think? Reading the word of God. I agree. Is there anything else? What's that? Yeah, but you have to pray. Yes, you can pray too, and God will direct you. But yeah, I, hearing the Word of God, being in church, being taught the Word of God, studying the Word of God. I know, I know, but try to make it practical, Randy. You're going to get time out in a minute here. No, I'm just kidding. He's my elder. I can't do that. But it's true. It is the Word of God. But there are ways and channels by which we get the Word of God in our life. And we ought to take advantage of every one of them. We ought to hide God's Word in our heart. We ought to meditate then on the Word of God. We ought to study the Word of God. We ought to be in church in, in when we're actually studying like tonight. You're here and being at church and, and learning and growing. There's a lot of applications to that. And then by doing that, God, you know, God directed me in my life with His eyes, I say. We're using this as an illustration. And it was in a church service because the Holy Spirit of God spoke to my heart through the preaching of the Word of God. And I surrendered my life to God as a result of that. I, I, I got saved because God spoke to me through the preaching of the Word of God. The gospel was what my dad was preaching on heaven and hell and primarily focusing on hell. It was a Sunday night, so it was, he was preaching to the choir, you might say. That night, though, I needed that message. My dad was preaching about hell and it's real. And it spoke to my heart. God spoke to me. I got saved as a result of the preaching of God's Word. And so it's important that we, we have our eyes on the Lord. And there's, and there's many different avenues, but it, it all, yes, it goes back to the Word of God. There's no doubt. And um, so he'll give us, <clears throat> he'll, he'll, he will guide us by his eyes. And then thirdly, he'll give us our way if we refuse to yield. You realize you can override it and say, God, I'm going to do whatever I want. Turn over to Psalm 106, if you would. Psalm 106, look at verse 13. <clears throat> This is Israel's rebellion against God, and yet God is still merciful here. Look at verse 13. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert, and he gave them their requests, but sent leanness into their souls. He gave them their requests but sent leanness into their souls. Here they gave them, God gave them what they wanted. They weren't full. They weren't showers of blessings that they were experiencing because of their disobedience to God. He gave it over to them. You know, God, he, uh, uh, God will let you do what you choose to do. Soul liberty is a, a foundational doctrine that we see in the Word of God. 
making a choice and choosing what we're going to do. God doesn't make you. God didn't make you get saved. You had to choose. God's not going to make you grow. Whom the Lord loveth, he'll chasteneth and scourges, the Bible says. He will lovingly discipline us. But if you refuse that and still, still won't obey it, God's going to let you have what you want. And I can tell you this, what you want, if it's not what God wants, you are going to have leanness of soul. You're going to live in it. You're not going to have the blessings that God wants to bestow upon you. You're not going to enjoy going through it. It's going to be a time of great difficulty in your life. You look at Israel, how much better it would have been if they had only yielded. How much better it would be for us if we would just yield to God. So going back and reviewing just very quickly talking about the will of God, some three keys to knowing God's will for your life. Number one, nothing is the will of God if it's not according to the Word of God, in accordance to the Word of God. Number two, before we can know the will of God, we must be willing to do the will of God. And thirdly, the key is a surrendered life. And so I ask you tonight, what is the final authority for your life? Number one. Number two, are you willing to surrender yourself to what God wants you to do in your life? Are you willing to obey what God wants you to do? Do you really want to know God's will for your life? Are you following God's will for your life? Are you following the written will of God's will for your life? Do you want God to work in your life? Are you doing what he asks? Are you truly surrendered? Let's all stand as we pray. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. Thank you so much, Lord, for the privilege to know you. Thank you for salvation, Lord, making it possible for us to have our sins forgiven and to be your child. We know we're on our way to heaven. Thank you, Lord, for wanting us to grow, empowering us, enabling us to grow. Lord, I pray that we would continue, Lord, that we would follow your will for our life. With our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, I want to ask you tonight, do you know Christ as your Savior? Was there a time and a place in your life that you could go back to and you know that you you trusted in him alone as your savior knowing you're on your way to heaven you trusted in the promise of god's word and you say yes i know i 100 sure tonight i know i'm going to heaven would you lift your hand up if that's your testimony you say i know i'm saved god bless me put your hands down once again i ask you do you know perhaps you're here tonight you don't have that peace what if this was your last day what if tonight put your head down you never woke up where would you go? The night that I got saved, that's what I was thinking. I, I went to bed, I laid down there, and I couldn't go to sleep because I was afraid that if I died that night that I would not go to heaven, that I would die and go to hell. What about you? Is God speaking to your heart? Listen, God loves you. God wants you to know. God wants you to have the peace of knowing that you're on your way to heaven. And tonight, I just want to ask you, would you be honest with yourself? You don't have that peace. You don't know for sure. Could I pray for you? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Nobody's looking around. But I ask you right now, and you're here tonight, and you say, Preacher, I don't know. I don't have that peace. I don't know if I die that I go to heaven. Would you just slip your hand up? Could I pray for you tonight that you'd have that peace, that you'd come to know Christ? You say, I don't know. I don't know for sure. Somebody like that tonight. God bless you. I see that hand. God loves you. God wants you to know. In just a moment, we're going to have a time we call an invitation. We invite folks to come to pray up here at the front of the church. And If you're here tonight, you don't know Christ as your Savior. During that time of invitation, I'll invite you to step out and to come. And if you'll come up here in the front, 
If you're a man, I'll have one of our men show you from the Word of God how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. If you're a lady, we'll have one of our ladies show you. The key tonight is this, is don't leave not knowing. God wants you to know. God wants you to have that peace. You're here tonight, you say, yes, I know I'm saved. Let me ask you tonight, what is the final authority for your life? I'm not just talking about what you say, but what you do. Would you surrender yourself to the Lord tonight? Would you ask God to guide you and direct you? Would you say, Lord, I'm keeping my eyes on you. So just if all you have to do, Lord, is just look and I know what to do. Lord, I'm following what you say. I'm willing to surrender to you. I'm willing to obey you, Lord. You are the final authority in my life. Lord, I surrender to you. Whatever you ask, Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I pray that you'd move in this invitation. Lord, speak to our hearts. Challenge us tonight. May we surrender ourselves to you, Lord. May we desire your will for our life. May we grow spiritually. Lord, I pray for those that are here tonight that raised their hand that did not know for sure they're going to heaven. Lord, I pray you'd speak to their heart right now, Lord, that they would hear you as you love on them. And, and Lord, I pray that they would be willing to step out and come and trust in you as their Savior tonight. Or that they would not leave this place without knowing. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I invite you right now.